Hello, everyone. Danielle Connerman here with our 21 News social media team. Joining me is Reverend Kenneth Simon with New Bethel Baptist Church, who has been a pastor there for 25 years and has really taken the forefront of two different issues that our community is seeing. Police officer reform, as well as an uptick recently in crime. Reverend, thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting us. Before we get too far into our conversation here, it's, I think, important to note that as we are speaking, our community is laying to rest a 10-year-old Perseus Davis that was caught up in this gunfire and has really become kind of a sign of all that's wrong in the Youngstown streets. Just talk to me a little bit about your reflection this morning on what our community is going through. Uh, yeah, um, we call it from the Christian faith, just evil. There's evil that plagues our community, and uh, the church is called to address those type of issues um, that are in this society. Um, what we witness in the recent killing of this young child, innocent child, um, there, that has to be done by individuals that don't have conscious. I mean, you're just shooting into a house. You're angry at somebody, but you don't care who's in the house, whether it's a little child, whether it's a grandmother, a baby. Um, there's just innocent people, and you're that um, uncaring to just shoot. Um, that's a sign of evil. and wickedness and and it's not just the person themselves but it is a spirit that drives them and and so that's what we have to address um because you know people aren't children aren't born with this evil <laughs> they're not born um gang members they're not born uh, thugs and and gang members, they're, that's a learned behavior. And so we've got to address all the issues. We just can't um, talk about stopping the violence without getting to the root of the violence. And the root of the violence has to do with the heart of people. And so somehow we have to get to the heart. Uh, you can't lock up evil. <laughs> you, can, you, you can lock up a person that's been influenced by evil, but evil just goes somewhere else and someone else is affected by it and commits an act of evil. Um, and so what has to happen is we have to get to the hearts of people if we want to see true change. And that's why, um, you know, we can have events, we can pass laws, we can, all, we can lock up people, but if we don't get to the hearts of people and change what changes the life, um, then uh, we're just fighting a uh, continual battle that we'll, we never get to the end of. So um, I'm driven by passion to call from God to live out my faith. And every believer 
has a call. And we have to embrace that call and live out our faith in our community. Um, the church doesn't exist in the community just for its parishioners and to have services and functions for those individuals, for our own constituents. We're in a community to bring light and hope and deal with the issues that are destructive to our communities. And so that's what drives me to, um, to do what I do, because it's a calling and it's a passion. I, I mean, there's certain things. This stop the violence uh, issue. I'll just tell you the truth. The, you know, at the beginning of this year, when the current chief police was uh, called or uh, chosen to be uh, the chief of police, um, I was led to by the spirit of God to, to call him and to tell him that we need to have a stop the violence campaign. We didn't even have any, hardly maybe one or two murders at the beginning of the year, maybe one. That get the church involved and they stop the violence campaign. I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't know what it looked like. All I know is I was to to talk to him about that. He he agreed. He was so open hearted to it. And and then months later, as the violence started escalating, you know, I had brought it to the attention of some of our ministerial groups. But it, you know, sometimes it's hard to get people your vision. <laughs> it's, it's people to grasp. And it got to the point where um, I had to do something. I didn't want to lead this effort because a lot of things I don't, I mean, I'm doing enough already. I just don't want to do any more. Um, but it was a passion. I could just feel it in my heart. And, you know, I, I was I was crying at night when I hear about this violence and it just drove me. And then the Lord said, do it. And so I pulled together some pastors, leaders of clergy groups, and um, and then shared the vision with them, which they embraced. And we started the Stop the Violence campaign. But it's just, it's sheer passion that drives, uh, it's what I believe. And you can't say you believe this, and then you don't stand up for what you believe in. Uh, my dad was one of the greatest influences in my life. My dad was saying, um, oh, gosh, he spoke out against injustices and evils of society. I grew up in the household that just where my father was on the forefront of every fight in dealing with injustices, fighting for the rights of people, not just African-American people, but all people. He just stood up for the rights of people because it's the right thing to do. And, um, and so I lived in I lived in in a household with a man who just lived out his faith and fought against injustices, um, went to jail for <laughs> fighting against injustices and, you know, marched with Dr. King. And so and Dr. King was a great influence in my life at eight years old. I watched him on the news. And I didn't understand why they were doing what they were doing to him. I didn't understand it. I was a kid. 
and I, but I, I watched him and, and then I was so intrigued with, and then when he got assassinated, that just, it was an uproar in our community, it was an uproar across the nation. My dad was at the forefront of the quelling of the violence, that riots that took place in the community. And, and Dr. I just studied Dr. King's life and watched how he lived out his faith. A man of God who fought against injustices and fought for the rights of all people. And that drew me into um, the work that I do now. Um, Speaking of that generation compared to this generation, it really does seem to me that the solution, as you mentioned, is the same, changing hearts. It's got to start with changing hearts. And we have these these campaigns. I, I see you at meetings for police officer reform. I see you meeting with the youth. Are we, as a community, changing hearts? Do you think that what we're doing is making a difference? Yes, um, I do, only because um, I believe in the power of the one who changes the hearts. And that's why we have these, um, uh, We when we started the Stop the Violence campaign, we um, started it with a prayer vigil for the community. And then we um, introduce a 70 day um, prayer and fasting from June 23rd to August 31st, 70 days of prayer and fasting to bathe the whole campaign in prayer because you have to invoke the presence and power of the one who can change hearts. Um, and when people say, well, you guys are praying, prayer is not working. Prayer works. <laughs> and that's why we continue to pray and we continue to march. It's just not praying because you have to put feet to your prayers after you get done praying. <laughs> and so um, uh, the prayer, it bathes the whole effort because it invokes the power of God. We're praying to God, but we're marching, sending our message to the people and the community. And you have to do both. You can't just pray and then think it's going to go away. Once you pray, then you take your assignment from God and then you actually uh, fulfill your role in what God gives you to do to address the issue. The children of Israel would, never, would have never got out of Egypt if Moses would have just prayed. <laughs> Moses, he told Moses, now go down to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And so you, you petition the, the one who is able to, to change and move things. And that, you know, Moses was the instrument that God used to go to Pharaoh, but then it was God's power that changed Pharaoh's heart uh, to finally let them go. So we have to couple our prayers and our works together. There's a scripture that says faith without works is dead. <laughs> I mean, you can believe something, but if you don't do anything about what you believe in, then, and so when people say that prayer doesn't work, uh, I don't, I don't believe that for one bit. I know that prayer works. And, um, what I do know when people say that, that that prayer doesn't work, I say, I tell you what doesn't work, doing nothing, <laughs> doing nothing and just talking about the problem doesn't work, doesn't fix anything. 
or criticizing people who are actually doing something that doesn't work either. <laughs> but, and so, and I'm not, I don't get caught up in critics and, you know, people who, I, I, all I know is I have an assignment and it's an assignment from God and he's the one I got to answer to. I don't have to answer to the people who are, who are saying, eh, you're not, doing, why are you doing that? Why are you? I'm doing what I'm called to do. And, and I have a piece about that. And so, and then, you know, when you've done all you can, because, you know, one person doesn't change, can't change the world, but you can have an impact. Um, Dr. King was one man, but his impact on the world um, is, has been lasting through generation after generation because he, he, he fought for what he believed in. And um, the, the, the church has a role to play in the life of the community that they exist in. And so that's why I'm happy to see churches coming together across denominational lines, across racial lines, to engage in this effort, not only to stop the violence, the violence is one issue. Again, police reform is important. Both of those issues are important. And we can't say, well, why are we just dealing with police reform and not dealing? We're dealing with both of those issues because they're both evil and they're both wrong and they're both affecting lives. Uh, um, um, the stuff with the schools that I've been involved with, eh, you know, House Bill 7 and all that, evil. <laughs> I mean, took away the rights of people, the citizens of Youngstown to vote for elected officials and to vote for Board of Education. And, and we don't have any say. How That's evil. How do you find that balance between police officer reform and the crime that we're seeing on the street right now? I, I mean, hand in hand, these, like you said, these things can work together, but mm-hmm. that it's it's a careful balance that needs to happen right now. Yeah, it's it's um, both have to be addressed, and that's why we have to develop um, better relations between the community and our law enforcement. And that's what we're attempting to do in the Next Steps Coalition on Police Reform effort um, to bridge that gap because um, we, we really get, need to know our, our, the, our police officers and law enforcement agencies and have dialogue with them and to you know deal with the hard issues that we need to talk about. Uh, we need to talk about you know, racism. We need to talk about um, racial profiling. We need to talk about those issues because they exist. On the other hand, we have crime uh, in our own communities, um, and that has to be addressed. Now, interesting enough, if you get the statistics from the law enforcement, there's probably only f- less than 5% of the population in the African American are causing the violence, are committing the acts of black on black crime, five percent. So it's five percent, but it's you just can't say, well, it's just five percent. You got to deal with that five percent. Just like it's probably five percent or ten percent of police officers who are doing uh are not doing their job properly or abusing their power. Um you just can't say, well, it's just five, ten percent. You got to address the five and ten percent, and so both have to be addressed. And the balance is, you know, let's 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 work together. Let's stay at the table. Let's 
see how we can fix this problem together. Uh, so there's no indictment against the police department. We need law enforcement. I would never go for uh, um, these, some of these crazy ideas about defunding police departments. That's crazy. <laughs> um, we need police. We need honest police. We need good police officers. And 90% of our officers are doing their job and just want to go home to their families like everyone else. Um, but we have to deal with the, deal with the issue of um, police brutality and these acts of um, violence against uh, people of color that takes place throughout our nation daily. So, uh, but, you know, at the same time, uh, we've got to deal with this violence in our own community. So I'm not afraid to, to when people say, well, why are you dealing with this? And you're not, and there's shooting in the street. Oh, I'm dealing, we're dealing with that too. Because it's still evil. And we've got to uh, address it all. So one is not to excuse the other. We just have to know that we got a part to play in bringing about reform and change in the community we live in. Um, and so I'm, I just have a passion. I'm driven by it. And I just, some, and I really don't always want to do, I don't want to be up front. I don't, people say, I see you on TV all the time. I don't want to be on TV all the time, <laughs> but I, I just, I can't help it. I mean, I was I went I went over to uh, Israel and and during my trip over to Israel I visited the the Holocaust Museum. I was in there, I was in there five minutes, and I had to walk out. I just cried, I cried because I saw that injustice firsthand, and I just cried. I couldn't take it. I went to the King Museum in Tennessee, and I walked in there, and I saw the, the all the stuff the videos and all that and I cried. I just, injustice does something to me. And I can't help it. I, I wish, you know, I don't want to feel this way all the time. But when I see injustices, something inside of me just won't let me sit. You have to address it. Um uh and so I have to be I'm I, I don't have an ego. I don't like to, I'm not trying to be up front. And, and all I want to do is what God assigns me to do. And when I get that passion and that something grabbing my, my heart, my spirit, I can't help it. Um, but um, it's it's who I am. And so I'm not trying to make a name for myself. I, I care less. I'm not trying to get credit for anything doesn't go to me. It goes to the one who called me. <laughs> and so, um, but that's who I am. And I have to be true to who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm a man of God who's been called to this area to have an impact in the lives of the, of the Great Sound community, the people in it, the families here. And, you know, and I just have a passion for young people um, uh, because a lot of it is not their fault because, again, they weren't born like this. When people start walking away from the church, when they don't bring their children up in, in the institution that God placed on this earth to give values, 
Because how these people, these kids have not even been exposed to a church. They don't know. They haven't been taught the values that our faith gives us. Respect for life. Uh, respect for authority. Um, you know, how to live in peace with your brothers and sister and your they don't have those values and they weren't taught those. Uh, and so we're, we're dealing with some issues that, you know, stem from, from home. And so we got to get to the home life because, you know, if we don't correct, if we don't get people um, exposed to the one who can change hearts, change lives, give us a strong foundation to build our lives on, um, then we get what we're getting. We have a lawless society, parents who can't control their children, children who are out of control. And that's what we're witnessing right now. Just, you know, we, when we don't instill those values within our children at a young age, um, then they grow up and they're learning. They're going to find mentors. And those mentors are usually in the street. And that's what they embrace, the lifestyle of what they see, what they're exposed to. And our job is to expose uh, children uh, to a whole different environment, an environment that is about love and peace and um, developing, helping them develop their potential to be what God created them to be. He didn't as, create them to be. Go ahead, as as a pastor in the street and talking about that role that the church has in their community, I would imagine that you've had a front window view into a lifestyle that not everyone sees. And, and you talk about, you know, needing to change the family dynamic, needing to get to the hearts of people. Share with us just kind of frankly, what do you think we are dealing with when it comes to crime in the city? Uh, drugs? Is it gangs? What are you seeing as someone who probably has very frank conversations with people that are living this lifestyle? Yeah. Um, you have two things that are going on. You have, uh, you have things that are created from the from the home life that um, that send these children expose these children to these kinds this kind of environment, and then you have some systemic issues in the bigger picture. It's bigger scheme scheme of things. Systemic issues that perpetuate the poverty, perpetuate um, the kinds of um, or limits the opportunities for people to move beyond the kind of lifestyle that they're living. Um, you have racism, you have corruption, you have all that stuff in our, in our system. The systems have to be just like the house bill 70 and all that education stuff. That's a systemic issue that you got to deal with because that's feeding or creating the problem that we're dealing with. They're, they were creating a pipeline to prison. That's what they were creating. Um, and so we have to deal with the system issues, but then you have to deal with the, um, the frontline issues as it relates to uh, families, parents, um, 
and then providing nurturing environments for kids to grow up in. I am the product of, I'm who I am because I had a nurturing mother and father who, you know, brought me to church and taught me values and disciplined me and and showed me the path, the right path to go and corrected me when I was wrong and made me respect my elders and all that kind of stuff. And so that's who I became. Now, we don't have that. Uh, uh, not across the board, but we're, we're lacking in that area. And, uh, and so, um, and that's what's bringing about this lawless society, this disrespect for life. Um, because, I mean, somebody had to teach you that. Someone had to teach you to disrespect human life. Someone had to um, show you that, you know, this is acceptable. Um, and then if we don't bring the element, I mean, here you have, if you have parents and the kid got guns galore that he's bringing home and, out, and you know that they got guns and you're, I mean, you are setting your child up for destruction and, 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 or they're bringing drugs or they're selling drugs out of your house. And, and you know that, and we don't do anything about that. And if we're selling drugs out of the house and then, and then we expose children to that same environment. And then somebody comes by with a drive by and starts shooting them. We're exposing our kids to these volatile environments where they're subject to be, um, victims of uh, senseless violence, and so there's a there's a whole dynamic. I mean, we we, we just we got to deal with all the elements. We got to deal with the parental stuff. We got to deal with the 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 perpetrators of the violence um, because we're we're in a generation now that's breeding more and more of the same. This kind of um, uh, mindset. And we're not exposing children to what they really need in life to succeed. They need a foundation that only comes through uh, a faith belief. I'm not going to make it for me, it's the Christian faith, but for others, it may be the Jewish faith or the Muslim faith. But all faith traditions are trying to serve a God and um, who they believe in. And there's some values that are attached to that belief system. Um, and when we don't expose our children to those um, faith traditions that we embrace, then our society um, goes to pot. Um, uh, there's some, you know, there's scripture that says, you know, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forsake God. And they turn away from God and righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. There's scripture that tells you that when we don't value, when we don't place emphasis on our faith and and our faith beliefs and all the values that that system gives us, then history, biblical history shows you that nations that walked away from the commands of God always ended up in destruction. 
always. It's just, and and so the the job of the prophet or the man of God, woman of God, is to call the nation to the get get its attention and speak out against those evils, because destruction comes when we don't. And Youngstown and well, not just Youngstown, but communities across this nation. If we don't uh, stand up for what's right and what God has commanded us to do in order to have a just, fair society that lives in peace, uh, we can't expect anything different. Um, you at times feel you're, you're fighting a, a losing battle in Youngstown? Not a losing battle. Uh, well, we may lose some battles, but there's a there's a war that we're going to win. And so I just believe that um, the effort that we put forth is working toward the greater cause of good. Um, I I may not see the results in my lifetime. It was just something with uh, Dr. King mentioned in his speech. He says, I've been to the mountaintop and I've seen the promised land. Uh, the promised land is a land of society where all men, women, black, white, Jew, Gentile, live in peace and love. He says, I may not get there with you, but we as a people will get to the promised land. And he didn't get there. He was assassinated, but he did his part. He played his role. And so I know that I have a part to play in this and every other pastor and every other believer um, has a part to play as well. And it's not for us to we don't create the results or we don't, we're not in charge of the results. We're just called to do what, do our part, our assignment in it. Um, what uh, would be your message of hope that you would share to the community right now and a time when, I mean, I, I think the st statistics were 22 killed this year, 101 people shot. What is your message of hope when, it, it seems we're seeing 10 year old little girls caught, caught in this gunfire. It, it seems like there, there are no rules in the streets anymore on who these victims and are. And, and there isn't. The hope is, uh, number one, that um, we have the solution. The hope is that we are the solution, the community. And that's the message that we've been trying to bring to the community because this is not just a pastor's movement. It's not just a church movement. This has got to, this has to, it has to involve the whole community. And there are more good citizens, law-abiding citizens of this community. There are more of us than it is of the people who are perpetuating this violence. The problem is that the majority of us are silent. <laughs> the majority of us are just reacting to, talking about, complaining about, criticizing what's going on, and not seeing ourselves as part of the solution. And the issue is, and it's going to be, what does it take to get us all to get involved? What does it take to get us to move, to get up out of our seat and to do something. What does it take? 
And so when I, when you see these acts continue to happen, especially in a 10 year old getting shot like that, then that, that ought to prick somebody's conscience. That ought to say, you know what? I'm sick and tired of this. I, I need to do something about this. And you can. And, and, and God will give you what you need to do. <laughs> but to just continue to live as though it doesn't exist or to live seeing it, but just not being a part of anything to, to make a difference. Um, Dr. King is noted for this quote. He says, evil prevails when good men do nothing. And that's what we're living in. It only prevails when good people do nothing. There's more good people than there are evil. And yet the evil people are the loudest. They're making the most noise. And the good people are sitting back saying, that's a shame. But when we move from that's a shame and see that it's a shame that I'm sitting here watching this and not doing anything. That's the real shame <laughs> because it doesn't change until you see yourself as part of the solution. It, when every, when there's a, when there's a crisis, when there's an issue, I am always prayerful and asking God because it disturbs me, but then I have to ask him, what would you have me to do? What is my role in this? Because I know I have a role to play. And I don't want to step beyond that because I got too much stuff going on as it is. I don't want to go beyond my, what my role is. I just want to know what's my part in addressing that issue. And every person, every believer, every person of faith has to find their role and ask because that's, our, that's the hope. And I just believe that, and and even if it even if we aren't the majority, if you if you if you stand on the faith that you believe in, God never needed a majority. He <laughs> feeded the Midianites with, with three hundred people. <laughs> uh, so, so the one who is in us, this is a key verse of scripture. I'm not being preachy today, but key verse in First John it says, "Greater is He." that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you. You have to believe that the God that's in you is greater than anything that's happening in the world. And I believe that. And so when I, you see me marching on the street, I just believe that the God that I'm praying to, the God that I'm marching for, he's greater than all them forces that are out there shooting and killing. He's greater. And so I, 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 Work and act with that confidence that the God I serve is greater. And when I'm dealing with the issue, that's what I'm. That's my. That's what keeps me going every morning. Me physically, I get tired. I get discouraged sometimes. I get frustrated because <laughs> I'm human. But what renews my strength and faith and confidence? When I serve, boy, He's greater than all of this. And if, and if every one of us in a community, the good law-abiding citizens and faith-believing people, if we just, if we just see ourselves as part of the solution, because the Bible says that we are the salt of the earth, 
and we are the light of the world. Two things, salt of the earth, light of the world. In other words, we influence the society. We determine the flavor of the society. We, discern, we determine whether it's going to be light or darkness. If we're the light of the world and our communities are dark, then something is wrong with the light. <laughs> not shining. We're not shining enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, absolutely, Reverend. I appreciate your time all the time. I appreciate your passion and the fact that you are human. You do get tired. You do get discouraged, but you continue this fight for our community. And as you mentioned, changing hearts. And that is a big task to take on. Yeah. But um, again, I'm up for the task. It's, it's just, it's never, and, I, and I, again, I don't take credit for anything. I just do my part and, you know, God gets the glory, but I, I, I'm driven by passion. I can't help. And so when people see me, our friends say, well, why is he always in, why are you trying to do this? You're just trying to, no, I'm just trying to do what God tells me to do to address the issues of our generation in our day and time that's going on in our society because it's affecting all of us. And God wants us to live in peace. And so I'm going to stay, stay to task and, um, we're, we're, we're going to be doing some uh, continuing, even though the 70 days into August the 31st, um, there will be a continual effort because this is the other thing that I, I, I have to remind people. Because a lot of people are just having events. They're having these events, you know, this one's having this event. And I applaud every, every effort I applaud and I support. I try to support everything that's trying to do good. Events happen and then they go. That, that that day happens and and then the criminals just come back on the street and they just start shooting. Events don't change things. It's a sustained effort. And so that's why the campaign has also the mentoring component to it, the mediation component to it, because we had to get to these young people. We had, and we got to provide space for them, safe space, so we can have some open dialogues, mediation um, with the families, mediation with the individuals, the, the mediation with these rival families and gangs. Just got We got to get to those individuals, and so um, it takes more than just just the praying. It takes more than just the marching. It's going to take. Now you got to get to these young people. And it's all part of the Stop the Violence campaign. Uh, and that's why we chose the word campaign rather than just saying, here's an event, here's an event, here's an event. They're not events. They are part of a movement. What changed uh, civil rights here in America was a civil rights movement. Uh, and that was a sustained effort led by Dr. King and others. And what's going to change this is got to see it as a movement. Every day, there's got to be a part. There's something that we can do to, to, to move the society to a more fair, safe, just society every day. And so um, that's why we've, we've been having mentoring training. We had the um, 
uh, mediation training, because we got to train troops that are going to be able to mentor young people. Because there's some young people that are going to want to get out of this lifestyle of violence, but what do they have to embrace? Because you, once you give up that, what you need, they don't know. They need mentor. They need someone to teach them, someone to guide them. They need someone to help them um, get on the right path and stay on the right path. Uh, and then there's a mentoring component that we have to have in place for the for the younger children, those family members, like the 17-year-old that was killed um, recently. And there's two younger brothers. There's a 15-year-old, there's a, like a three or four-year-old. Those someone needs to get with those young men uh, and 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 help mentor them to keep them from mm-hmm. those tragic kind of events. And are so, you are is the church or the church uh, talking about the broader church you know maybe not new bethel specifically mm-hmm. but are you guys seeking out these individuals that, like you mentioned i mean if you know that there's a family and you see the potential for trouble are you reaching out to those individuals and trying to nip it in the bud rather than just a general youth comment yes because that's what that's what the mediation effort is geared to do. Because there are people in all of our churches that are related to somebody who's committing these acts of violence. I just spoke with a lady yesterday. She's a member of our church. Her um, um, her she had a grandson with her. She introduced me to him. And she said, this is my grandson. That was his, uh, she said, the the 10-year-old that got killed was related to her grandson. And I can't remember how she said that's her, his cousin or or something related. And she brought him to me. She wanted me to pray for him. And I prayed for him yesterday. Um, and, and and I you know prayed that you know he grew up in a nurturing environment. I prayed for, but that young man has to have because uh, he's he's experienced the violence at a young age. He looked like he was about three or four years old. Um, but now there's an opportunity because there's a connection with that family that experienced that violence, and how I can use those contacts now to get to some of the family members to get to sort of the root of the problem, um, the perpetrators of the violence. And now we can provide safe space. And our church has got to open our doors and provide some safe space um, for to have some conversation with these people. Bring them in um, and, you know, what do you need? What, what do you want? How can we help you? Is this what you want for your life? Do you want to live your life looking over your shoulders and wondering if you're going to be the next victim. Do you want to keep living like that? Do you want to, do you know how this is affecting your family? Do you know how this affects people around you who aren't even involved in what you're involved with? How can we, how can we help you? Uh, Cause it's not, you can't come to the young people with a condemning approach. You know, you're bad. You're doing this and you're doing, they don't want to hear that. They, they don't care. <laughs> Um, but we have to have them. We got to get to their heart, and um, and then see how we can help them. Got to listen to them because listening 
because you'll find out a whole lot of things when you listen. Because a lot of them are responding out of their pain. They just don't know how to respond. They don't have the tools to uh, respond appropriately to their anger, to their pain. Um, and so they all they know is the violence. And they get some degree of satisfaction shooting and killing and hurting someone else because that helps them deal with their pain. They don't know any other way to deal with it. Um, their their friend was shot. Their friend was killed. Their boy was killed. And so they're they're angry and they got to deal with that anger. And that's how they choose to deal with it because they haven't been taught a better way. So those conversations of how we can how, how, how we can help you, there's 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 a better way to deal with this. And how do you begin those conversations? I mean, how do you show someone that there is a better way when. The idea, I mean, there's so many issues here at, at play, uh, poverty and the instant gratification of money and, and drugs, and also the fear uh, of retaliation. How do you begin to pull someone out of that lifestyle? And how do you approach these conversations? Because I, I, I just can't imagine that, I mean, maybe talking to you if I'm one of these, these young boys and I'm like, well, yeah, but he's a reverend. He's a pastor. That that's, 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 he doesn't know my reality. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's why we have to listen. And that's why it's important that we be, we're good listeners. And, and then it also helps when there's young people involved in this uh, movement. We have to utilize the resources that we have because there's people who, who've gone through this, who've been through this kind of lifestyle, been to prison, uh, have come out of prison, and they, so they have that experience. They know the street life, and they need to be a part of the effort to help um, bring about the transformation that needs to take place. Because when they see someone or hearing it from, hearing it from a preacher, eh, we're hearing it from someone who's been there, someone who's been in the street, someone who's been in prison, who's gotten out uh, and who's made the change and, and, and knows uh, why they have uh, made that decision um, that has more impact, but it doesn't minimize or doesn't say that this past then, well, I can't help somebody because I haven't been there. Well, there's a lot of things I haven't done, but I still got to, I got to still address. Um, and, and when you don't, know a person's experience, the greatest thing you can do is listen, is listen. And, and people will respect you if you just listen and understand and don't condemn them, just listen. And, um, and then, and then ask them, because you can't just say you need to do this, ask them. Okay. You've explained to me what you're, Okay. So what do you want out of life and how do you get there? Do you want to see your family live in safety? Is that that something that you want for your family? Is it something you have children? Do you want your children to grow up without a father? (laughs) Do you want your children to be exposed to all this stuff that you're dealing with and jeopardize? Do you want that? Okay. So if you don't want that, then how do you, how do we get there? What do you see is the need that, you know, 
what need what do you need to, for, that we can help you get to where you want want to be because right now um you're putting yourself in a position where not only going to get yourself hurt but your family's going to hurt your children um your community and so but those conversations got to be started do you see these conversations? I mean, I would imagine that you win some, you lose some. Have you had Absolutely. this conversation with the youth and then, uh, you know, a week, a month, a year later, you, you see his face up, up on our news? Uh, yeah, because um, you're going to you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. You're not going to get them all. I mean, when the Lord himself was here on earth, there were some people that he that believed in and some people just were going just refuse to believe. And so that's the kind of situation we're dealing with is that you just, you're never going to get them all, but you're going to save some. You're going to save some and you, and you're going to help some because there's, there's some that, that are reachable. Uh, And so that's our goal. Um, As long as evil is in the world, I mean, you're never going to have a society that's, free from evil altogether. <laughs> I mean, we're still going to have murderers. We're still going to have thieves. You're going to you're going to have, a, but you can certainly have an impact on all of that when we do our part to make a difference and be a part of the solution. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not looking for, you know, I mean, my, my goal is that we have zero homicides. None. I just know that, you know, in reality, that's as long as we're living in this world and people are still influenced by evil, that that that's going to happen. But we can certainly minimize it and um, put a put a big dent in it and do our part to make our society a more safe and more fair and a more just society. And really, as you kind of mentioned, it seems Youngstown is small enough that whenever there is a crime out there, someone in the church knows firsthand this family being impacted, knows firsthand what took place. And that opens the door for you guys, like you mentioned, to kind of strategically get involved in lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you can't ignore, you can't ignore that. Um uh, because then you're, you're you're just seeing the problem, experiencing it, and then family's going through it, and then we don't do anything to address that. You know, I, I didn't know the um, the Biggs family, the young man that was killed. I didn't, I didn't know them um, personally, but they 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 asked to have the funeral here. And, you know, some churches, you know, if there's not a member, then churches don't open up the doors and all that. Well, for me, that was an opportunity for us to minister to a family. And so we had the funeral here and it was capacity. I mean, it was, I mean, we had to, almost, we had to stop people from coming in because it was just so many people. Um, but I made a, a promise from the pulpit to this family and I was led to do that. I told the mother that we were going to adopt, our church was going to adopt her family. So we're going to adopt your family. So you may not ever, you may not ever come within the walls of our church again, but we're going to adopt your family and we're going to be there for you. We're going to be a support to you. We're, we're going to encourage you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to, and um, you just need to know that 
we're going to be with you. And I've made about about five personal visits to that home uh, since then. I um, call her um, free, um, not frequently, but everyone wants to check on her. I text her. Um, but I found out she wrote a book. She received authored a book on um, release, and um, it was it's a book about um, dealing with grief because she lost her husband years ago, and then she lost. But she after she lost her husband, she wrote a book. And I read it. She she shared it with me. She gave me a uh, autograph copy of it with the workbook. And I read it, and I told her I was impressed with it. And I said, you know, I may need to have you come share this your book with our grief ministry, grief recovery ministry, to get her connected to the church, to get her connected in some way, and her family. And she said, "You know what? When I get through this, when I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to come to your church." Well, I'm not obligating her. I'm not expecting her. I just want to open our arms to her and her family, because that's what the church has to do. We've there's a family out there that's grieving now that we have an opportunity to minister to to help, and then in a preventative way, bring that family in a safe environment and help give some support to that family structure. Uh, there's not a father there. There's, you know, but there's children there. And now provide some role models for those young men and women in that family. Um, and then it's not only what we can do for that family, but it's also what that family can do for our church as it relates to that. That woman has a gift. She has a gift. I heard her. She spoke at the service. I heard her speaking she has a gift of a leader uh, and she spoke with authority and now how to use her gift to be a blessing to the community. Um, and so there's all, all kinds of opportunities that we have. And I am, you know, I, I think we ought to capitalize on those opportunities to minister to families and make a difference. And so churches have a key role to play and we just got to get involved. Just got to get involved. And sometimes we got to break some of our traditions, <laughs> things that we don't do um, uh, and do more to connect with our community. I told pastors this. People aren't coming in our churches. The gang members, they're not coming in our churches. They're not going to, we can, you know, send invites out and say we're having this in our church. They're not coming. <laughs> and, and, and Jesus didn't wait for people to come to church to go help them. He just went right where they are. And we have to do more to go where people are. And how do you do that? Do, do you put, have you ever felt that your life was in danger trying to reach a criminal's heart? Um, do you I put guess, yourself in dangerous I, situations? Um, I guess you can sometimes say that. Um, but when you're doing things that you're led to do by the spirit of God, God himself obligates himself to protect you because he gave you an assignment. He's going to cover you and he's going to give you the opportunity to do what he's called you to do. So I just don't take things on my own to go, you know, go walking down the street to these houses. I don't do that on my own. When I'm directed and led to do so, I am 
confident that what the Lord assigned me to do, he's going to protect me. So have I been in some dangerous situation? Probably so. Um, um, you know, sometimes going to the home of where there has been some shootings or something. I mean, there's, you might put yourself in the, in the uh, position where there's some retaliation that's getting ready to happen and you don't even know that you're <laughs> so. And even the, in the prayer walks, I mean, even though they're during the day, criminals, they're shooting during the day, too. Um, but you got to get out there. And um, is, there, is there a risk? Probably so. But there's a greater risk if we do nothing. And the greater risk is that the society gets worse. And, and sometimes you got to put your faith in action and not your life on the line, but you got to make a commitment to something that's going to make a difference. And so I'm committed to whatever it takes to make a difference. Well, Reverend Simon, I appreciate your time. Thank you. And I appreciate you, your family, and the years that you guys have dedicated to our Youngstown and our Valley. It's an honor and a privilege to serve in every believer and every pastor has to see themselves as a servant. We are servants of the community, and uh, but we have a great responsibility. I, in, in our circles, we believe pastors have the highest position in the land, not the president, pastor. <laughs> it's just because we have a call directly from God. 